for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight and site expert Stephen Kabitza. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. I'm Stephen Kabitza here with the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm joined by Andrew Seipt after another brutal loss. Andrew, did you have any optimism heading into today's game? I wouldn't call it optimism. I think that there was a, a, a little bit of reason to think the offense might move a little bit better than it did, given how Kevin Hogan typically looks with when he comes into the ball game. But no, it kind of went exactly how I envisioned it. You know, the Texans are too high-powered of an offense, and offensively we just couldn't keep up with them. I would like to point out a fact that you texted me. You had a good feeling about this game around I, noon. Yeah. Can you clarify those thoughts? Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I didn't think the offense would be this flat again coming out with all of Hugh Jackson saying how Kevin Hogan, you know, has a, a little bit more of a, a grasp of this offense than Deshaun Kaiser. And just from what we've seen last game and even in spot appearances before, you would think that. The offense wouldn't come out as flat as they did, but both offensively and defensively, they came out flat, and it showed in a 33-3 to deficit moving into the, what, fourth quarter? Before garbage time really set in. Exactly. I did see the Browns tweeted out a graphic after the third quarter, 33-3. to I was like, whose job is it to make these graphics? This is so upsetting. I wouldn't even read the replies. But yeah, the big story today was or what was supposed to be the big story was Kevin Hogan starting the savior Kevin Hogan comes in and to be honest if we were looking at it objectively and not as Browns fans that's probably what the expectation was the performance he put out there just overthrowing receivers no real arm strength on his throws loopy overthrows a safety in the end zone on an intentional grounding just lack of awareness my problem was he would Instead of throwing the ball away on short passes, he would throw it to Duke Johnson or Crow. There'd be a big loss. And then in the end zone, he throws it away for an intentional grounding. How would you grade Kevin Hogan's performance? Well, let's just take a look at the stats here. 20 of 37 for 140 yards, one touchdown, three picks. I mean, when he threw those back-to-back picks, it was just that same feeling that we've had over the last four weeks where you just knew this team wasn't going to have enough to come back. You know, the pick six alone, the Browns had been driving. Well, I, I'm not sure of the score at this point because it was just such a <laughs> tune-out game for me based on the score early on. But were they moving when they started? Like, what was the score of the game when they had those two turnovers? Well, the pick six came when it was 10-3. to three. Oh, it made it 10-3, to three, didn't it? No, it made it 16-3 oh, because okay. they missed right. the extra point. Yeah, so right there, I mean, that's that's taking pretty much the wind out of any sales that you had because I think we were moving the ball at that point too. So definitely a frustrating, uh, a frustrating series for Kevin Hogan as well as Hugh Jackson, who I'm sure is just sick of turning the ball over in the red zone at this point. Well, when they got there, they made it to the red zone. A penalty pushed him out, and the announcers are saying how Hugh Jackson was talking about, you know, these quarterbacks need to allow me to call plays in the red zone because they keep turning it over. And then two plays after they say that, pick six. And the announcers are like, well, there it is. I, I don't – again, we've been saying it for five weeks, six weeks now. It's just frustrating, and I don't understand how it keeps happening. Like, I'd rather you just fall down. I think on the first drive it happened, Kevin Hogan just, like, threw it away, and I'm like, good, thank you. Just 
just get rid of the ball. Just get me points. You know, stop turning it over and at least keep this game close for more than a few quarters. And while it kind of was that case early on, it quickly snowballed into a, a 33-3 to deficit. It was another one of those games where the defense follows up a great performance with a horrible one. A few times I was wondering what was going on in the secondary. Jabril Peppers looks lost in those deep formations. And the, the biggest play for me of why that is just kind of silly to keep sticking with was when a big run was busted. I'm not sure if it was Lamar Miller, but they busted a big run, and Peppers was about on the five-yard line, and instead of rushing to make the tackle, was like waiting to get into it. I'm like, what are you doing? Do you well, realize? I think I, I, I kind of understand what he was doing because at that point you're just trying to prevent the touchdown, so you're doing whatever you can to stop him. Again, it's it, he did save the touchdown, but he's coming to these plays so late after the fact that the damage is already done. Again, the, the middle of the field was exposed all day by the Houston receivers. Will Fuller, it was already going to be a challenge to try and guard these two, but the Browns did themselves no no favors with all the miscommunications they had on defense. One touchdown, Peppers was looking. Uh, the touchdown, I remember, maybe it was Fuller, I believe, was where Jamar Taylor dropped back in the coverage, no defense on the receiver, and then Peppers gets caught chasing him, looking back at the secondary like what happened. That just can't happen in week six or any week in well, the NFL. There's just not enough time. Again, the Browns are going to continue to say that, oh, these guys are young. I know they can play better. That They're going to keep using the fact that it's a young team as an excuse. But, I mean, these are the kind of seasons that get coaches fired. And last year, we, we consider it a mulligan. But you were almost gift-wrapped a, a, a golden schedule here. You know, you look at week one, Ben Roethlisberger up to this point. I think he's playing decently today. But up to this point, you know, he's not really playing that well. It's a winnable game against Pittsburgh winnable game against Baltimore Jacoby Brissett of all people in Indianapolis week four the Bengals are 0 and 4 at that or 0 and 3 what was week four am I missing one 0 and 3 Bengals versus 0 and 3 Browns that's right then the Jets you know it's an easy schedule on paper we even said at the beginning of the year yet the Browns see themselves at 0 and 6 and I thought that Miles Garrett would be a nice turning point but it just goes to show no matter how good defensive ends you have it doesn't make up for a lack of quarterback I saw a tweet on my own timeline back from the week week four against the Bengals. I said, if the Browns win this game, they can take care of the Jets. They're two and three <laughs> with the gif of the this is fine dog with his room burning. But yeah, this this was the part of the schedule where it's, you know, let's get two, maybe three wins. See what happens. And not only did they not get wins, they really played six terrible games. We look at week one like, oh, that wasn't too bad, but there's turnovers. Should have been one. The Jets game was close. The offense blew it. They there's did. A, they did. And it, Not even, one complete game. No. They, can't, they, they finally start to show semblance of the, the short to intermediate passing game. But, again, once Hugh Jackson gets down by more than 14 points, that all kind of tends to go out the window. But even dating back to the offseason when we, we set our expectations for the season – we just both talked about having adequate quarterback play, not anything insane, nothing that's going to light the world on fire, but just something that moves the football. And we've seen glimpses of it, but they've been very few and far between. Again, we're running into the same issues of turning the ball over in the red zone, making mistakes that 0-6 teams make. And until they get these things cleaned up, I believe they had 12 penalties again today or more around that. It's just unexcusable for a team or inexcusable for a team that's, 0-6, you, know, you got to get these things cleaned up by this point. 
the point you bring up, which I think is interesting, that this is a season where coaches could get fired. Coming in, it's, you know, we're going to stick with this plan, but there comes a point where it's like, if if the current plan leads to no, obviously it's only week six, but it doesn't look like it's getting much better. If the current plan leads to no wins, two years total with one win or maybe two or three, depending on if this year ends up, is the alternative much worse? Is... Uh- Bringing I mean, in new people, I don't think they should fire any or fire Hugh Jackson. At least I'm just saying, as an owner, do you have to say maybe you know we could just bring someone else and he'll piece together at least three, four, five wins? Well, I think as an owner, you've just got to look at kind of where Hugh Jackson stands, like in the locker room, because obviously we're not able to get that read. You know, if it's a toxic thing in the locker room where. And I don't imagine that it is. You, that's when you have to start to consider, is this coach worth keeping around? But I look at a guy like Hugh Jackson that's really been given nothing to work with here and has come close <laughs> a just amount of times and has made his fair share of mistakes. But again, I think it's unfair to criticize him for these past two years, given the lack of talent that he's been provided by Sashi Brown in the front office. It's a mixture of a lack of talent, which we've talked about many times on here, and also just even if they find talent, it's they try to piece it in during the season. You can't do that in football. It's just never going to work. Well, and their, the talent, talent, their talent evaluation is just not good in general. We touched on it on, sun, or on our, the earlier podcast on Friday. You see guys all over the league that are ex-Cleveland Browns that we've probably casted off during the Sashi Brown era that have turned around and done well. I know we talked about – we talked Joe Hayden – a lot and how he was expendable essentially on this roster. But you look at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, at least from a fantasy perspective, is giving up the least amount of points to opposing wide receivers. So he's obviously doing something right there. And it's it's hard to believe that he wouldn't have been able to make an impact here on this roster. And along with that, they tried to rationalize that the Joe Hayden thing was for salary, but we're paying Brock Osweiler and Kenny Britt, who apparently was a healthy scratch today. They, I think they tried to say it was the hamstring thing, but Mary Case tweeted out, Mary Kay Cabot tweeted out, it's it's pretty much he's just being benched. So at this point, it's the same thing as what Mike Pettin did with Dwayne Bowe. It's, you can have this guy here, he can help him practice, but I'm not dressing him for the game, which is pretty bad considering the other options are guys. The whole receiving core is just random people. No one, none of them can run routes. I mean, Case and Williams had four catches, but again, they were not he's barely open it's it's catch and get tackled right away there's nothing in terms of yards after the catch or running after the catch it's just a a frustrating day you see duke johnson making plays when he gets the ball in his hands but again i think there's just too much and maybe defenses are trying to take that away but i think there's got to be more of a game plan that's got to be centered around duke johnson to just get the ball in his hands it's not it you see it in in st or not st louis new orleans with the saints and alvin Kamara. it's it's not an issue with some of these guys to, to get him the ball and i think it's really the only Browns option on offense at this point. The crazy thing is that I understand they were getting whooped today, but at some point you just have to say, you know what, we can't be throwing the ball 30-plus times. Today the Chicago Bears beat the Ravens in overtime. Mitch Trubisky at halftime had seven passes. Mm -hmm. They were pounding the run all day, and then at the end busted off a big run. The Browns are not going to win the game throwing the ball. They should know that by now. Just keep pounding it. I understand running on maybe first and second down, nothing's going, but then Hogan comes up and throws a pick. Well, I can't really – it's tough to run the ball that much when you're down 33-3. to three. And Trust me, I've been a huge advocate for the run game, and I see where the Bears are coming from. 
But they also had a 14-point lead against the Ravens. Well, I'm talking a full game plan. Yeah, oh, totally. I, I not, wish the Browns, not at the end. I, I just don't even think the Browns have the running back that would be able to to make use of a 36 or 37 carry load like Jordan Howard had today. Isaiah Crowell has made a few plays, but again, few and far between. And, and when he's given the, the chances, he's not making use of enough of them. So it's got to be frustrating for Hugh Jackson because he's not taking advantage of the opportunities when given to him. And a guy like Duke Johnson is, but he can't be your feature back. So you're really caught between a rock and a hard place there. I think we could say a good decision by the front office was not to sign Crowell to a major extension this offseason. That would have been a disaster. I mean, he'll probably go somewhere else and do just fine. It's, it's just a question of whether or not the Browns are going to be able to keep something together long enough to cultivate a winning attitude. And no matter who you bring in, no matter what guys you bring into this, this organization, if you're changing coaches every two years, it, everyone's just going to get tired, continue to be tired of it and leave. So I get that Hugh Jackson's one in 21, but <laughs> not every team has turned it around in two years. So at this point, I think you just got to tough it out maybe, maybe for another year if you're Jimmy Haslam and then see where we're at. But man, it, I didn't think it'd be this bad this year. We've brought it up many times in past episodes. It's way worse than last year already. And I want to ask you, what are you, so watching today's game, what are your like what are your emotions when like the pick six happens, the Texans take back a touchdown on Hogan and it just keeps getting worse and worse? Is it is it this sense of like anger towards the front office or is it more apathy where it's, you know, we clearly were headed down this path and they just tried to ignore it? Well, I think the the frustrating part for me is that I understand the need to build through the draft, but it's you also need players on the team that understand how to win a football game or like they're not they're glue guys. You know, like a DeMario Davis for example, or a guy that like a veteran leader in Joe Hayden, guys that are going to be able to rally the troops or know what needs to be done in order to win a football game. And when you look at this front office kind of straying away from those kind of guys or even bringing in guys who really have experienced no winning in their career like Kenny Britt it's just it's really it's frustrating in general I think to answer your question in terms of what my emotions are when watching the game it's pretty much lifeless because I just know that nothing's gonna happen they're not gonna win at this point I'm expecting them to turn it over in the red zone even when McCourty got that pick six and ran it back, I, I didn't smile. I didn't smile. I didn't do anything. I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's a garbage time touchdown. So this team has really just given no, no semblance of a competitive football team. And at this point, I'm pretty much done. And it's only week six. That's what I was saying. I looked. I was watching with my dad. I said, "Do you realize this is only week six of the season? They just have to go to London <laughs> to show off Browns football." people in london hopefully too many browns fans don't make the trip expecting a win hopefully they just go there to enjoy london um the vikings you know aren't a great team but they should handily beat the browns they beat the packers today great without Aaron Aaron Rodgers, but still i mean the browns couldn't beat the colts without andrew luck so I, i imagine that brett hudley would be able to walk into first energy stadium and beat them by 20 as well Rough. See, I mean, that's, again, even looking at a guy like Brett Hundley came in and probably played better than what Kevin Hogan did. And I'm saying oh, that yeah. with no no bearing on what the statistics are for either quarterback. But, I mean, just looking at that system, it's amazing what happens when you provide a, a, a young or new quarterback with wide receivers like 
Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, you know, just guys like that that actually catch the ball and run decent routes. It's it's amazing what can happen. Well, also, the problem is with the Browns, like I've I've said a few times in the past, Hugh Jackson's running an offense like he's running the same offense he'd run if he had like Drew Brees in there, like five wide and all these different things, but he has Kevin Hogan in there and he's calling the same plays and it's just not working out, but and this, at the same time, like there was an interception where Sammy Coates ran a curl route and just didn't really s- stick it and turn around. He just kind of didn't fight for the ball. And when you are on the team like the Packers, you have guys actually attempting to make plays on the ball. And just in general, too, you text me during the game and it was a play that stood out. It was McCordy earlier in the game, interception coming his way, just standing there and waiting for the ball. Hopkins breaks it up. It's just the whole team. It's it's. I don't. I don't even know if it's a lack of. I don't think it's a lack of effort. I would never say that about a team who doesn't seem to be lacking effort. I just think it's the way it's constructed and everything. There's from the offense to the defense. It's just it's it's only week six. Well, there. I think when you're on an zero and six team, you've got to feel at least a little bit the same way that we feel watching it. You know, as a player, you're not oblivious regardless of what they tell you in the locker room like oh yeah we believe we can win well yeah I believe again I believe in a lot of things but it doesn't mean that they're going to happen so that's where I I wonder if this team is starting to lose that focus already or that they're starting to quit because there's just guys not making that extra effort that are that's needed to even come close to being a competitive football team. I, I mean, you mentioned that Cordy, McCordy interception or almost interception. It's a pretty big point in the game. I think it was, you know, they were in Texan territory. It was a third and four. Deshaun Watson's just trying to throw the ball out of bounds. And if McCordy just makes that play, you know, it, we're talking about a pretty big momentum shift there. So it's just little plays like that throughout the game that the Browns aren't executing or aren't putting forth the effort to do it that kind of sets them apart from bad to the Browns bad another topic I want to touch on because it'll be talked about this week it's looking like Deshaun Kaiser is going to get back in there as the starter um for week seven against the Titans does do looking back obviously we're looking in hindsight is benching him one week if he's coming back in was it completely pointless did it serve any purpose I think it did I mean again I don't anytime you can take a step back if you're not doing something well to look like at, and assess what you're doing and, and take, take a look, break it down, find out what you're doing wrong and, and where you need to improve. I think that's always beneficial regardless of how old you are. You know, you're never, if, if the game's moving too fast for you, then take a step back, sit, look at what's going on and see the field from a different view. I think Hugh Jackson's touched on that as well. I, I don't think it's useless. I think it maybe puts a little bit of a chip on uh, Deshaun Kaiser's shoulder, looking at how well Deshaun Watson's playing you know, I think that that he wants to play as well as these other rookie quarterbacks because he thinks that he's up to their their talent level. I, I just don't think he's being surrounded with enough to even make an adequate case for for either of these guys, let alone, you know, anyone moving forward in next year's draft. It is crazy when you take a step back as a fan and realize that they just put in their backup quarterback who opened the preseason as the fourth stringer, that they just put him in in week six. Like, no other teams do this. You don't just be like, all right, well, this week we're going to start our backup, and then he might not start next week. 
But this team is so far below the rest of the NFL, maybe not the 49ers, but they're so far below that it's just what they don't even really follow the general rules. It's just their own. It's like they're not even trying to win. Well, they, they're trying to win. They can't. But they can't. Yeah, they can't that's win. The thing. And that's that's a huge difference between teams. The 49ers should have won today, I think. I mean, it was a very close game. They pulled Brian Hoyer for C.J. Bethard. Never heard of him. You know, He's in, out of in, Iowa. And they uh, they they had a pretty close game there towards the end. Look at the the New Orleans Lions game today. Did you, did you see a little bit of that? I mean, taking a look at the the, the Lions were down, I think twenty eight in the second half, and they were able to make it. There were a series of turnovers and, and and end zone interceptions in a matter of two minutes, which was absolutely crazy. But I just don't have any of that confidence or any of that feeling that plays like that can happen from this Browns team. And it's I just don't see an end to it. And maybe that's because it's just the offensive side of the ball that's been so bad for so long. Like since 2007, we just haven't had an offense that's been even close to good. Maybe in 2013 with Josh Gordon. But but that's a huge part of it because the defense is not going to play well if the offense is a, is unable to move the ball or setting them up in bad situations. And today's when you look at the box score, it's all oh, man the defense played bad, but you got to add in a pick six. You got to add in the Browns punting it every single time, three three interceptions. So there's just no there's just no rhythm to the game. They had Jamie Collins back. They had Miles Garrett in who picked up a sack. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's going to happen if your offense is horrible your defense no matter if you're one of the best defenses ever you're just like if a historically historically great defense had to play with this Browns offense it, it wouldn't work out no again you need adequate quarterback play to even be competitive you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars last year with Blake Bortles throwing all those interceptions that's why they're cons- they considered you know going after one of these guys in the draft and they probably will be next year if you can just move the football. Don't turn it over. Like we saw with Cody Kessler last year, and I, I it's frustrating to bring up because he, he might give them the best chance to win based on what we've seen from these the first two guys. It, it sucks that it's boiled down to maybe Cody Kessler won't turn the ball over as much. Not even give you the better chance to win, but just, just not turn, turn the ball over in general. That's pretty bad when you reach a point where you're – Number one from training camp is not dressing, but he's probably the best option. So it does draw the question of, is this team trying to lose? Like tank, but I don't think they are because, I mean, Kessler being benched is Hugh Jackson's decision. It's not a front office thing. The only thing that I can think of and the only rationale behind a guy like Sashi Brown being granted a third year is that they have to have a plan in the offseason to go after some free agents maybe or some guy gets loose from a team but again we as we've seen you're not going to get guys that change franchises in free agency I mean there's very few cases you look at Drew Brees when he left San Diego but there was a, a, a shoulder injury attached to that that questioned whether or not he would even be the same quarterback again so Again, I don't think these guys become become available in free agency. It's just those kind of pieces that the Browns have been cutting for so long that are going to be available that, you know, set the tone maybe in the locker room around the defensive or offensive side of the ball that a rookie or young guy isn't able to provide. The other problem with that, too, is no one's going to sign here. No. Why would you? 
I mean, the Browns have the most cap space, and and as we've seen, money talks. But if you're in terms of a football standpoint, like why would you come here to play? I think Tony Jefferson was a prime example of that last year. Yeah, big name free agents, and especially if you're describing, maybe if you're looking at, oh, maybe we can get a veteran quarterbacker, a middle linebacker. It's going to be tough. <laughs> we got Jamie Collins, but he's still younger, and maybe he wouldn't have got a max deal elsewhere um, because of the you know negative baggage attached to his name. Um, but a guy, like in the offseason, it's Browns fans. We did it too. Like, oh, maybe Kirk Cousins would want to come here. But like, why would he put himself in this bad situation? It, again, though, if you have adequate quarterback play, the Browns just aren't getting that. So when if you're a quarterback being like, okay, I understand Hugh Jackson's offense. I've worked with it before with Jay Gruden being a part of that Cincinnati team as well. If If the offensive side works and the Browns go out and get, say, you know, a solid wide receiver and, and another one, a high pick in the draft, that's another wide receiver. It, the ability to turn around the playmakers is there. I just don't trust the people in the front office willing to make those decisions. So it all boils down to what can they do to improve Not j- the quarterback position, yes, but they need to do something in terms of finding a, a bell cow running back and a couple wide receivers out there that can actually run routes and catch the football before any quarterback would even think of succeeding here. And it's frustrating because we keep bringing up the same points every single week, which, I mean, everyone who talks or writes about the Browns is because they haven't really given us anything else to talk about. And it's what you just said. We need to find a big back on all these positions. But you look at the draft. They're drafting these positions. They're just drafting players who aren't very good. Well, they're look at Cincinnati drafting A.J. Green, first round. Mike Evans, first round. Odell Beckham, first round. Corey Coleman, first round. I get it. But there's at some point analytics have to favor going after a playmaker in the top five like i guarantee you in the offseason with our high pick it'd be like, oh saquon barkley saquon barkley and there's going to be so many pro football focused people or you know probably browns fans themselves and say oh you can't take a high pick on a running back well why not if he's the best player available why not well it's too high no no it's not if the guy goes out and is able to get you 1200 yards and, and 12 touchdowns a year, you know, that's better than what Isaiah than what we're currently getting. So it's, it's definitely worth that overall, that high overall pick. So I hope that the franchise is able to take some playmakers in the top of the draft next year, besides trading out. But as we know, that certainly hasn't been the case in the first couple of years. Yeah. They're in a position now where they need to use every pick they have and take the best player available. They're not in a position to get cute because they've done it for two years and it's, you just we're just in torture watching all the players they've passed on. I mean, Carson including Wentz, today against Watson, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson. I mean, even even Malik Hooker. If you want to be like me and and say, well, the two players I wanted at twelve were <laughs> Deshaun Watson and Malik Hooker on the night of the draft, and sure enough, both of them are playing well, and we're sitting here with a, a Jabril Peppers who doesn't looks like he's lost out there in center field, and you know, a bunch of other picks that are adequate, but again, without a ad- uh, decent quarterback play, you have no way to judge any of these guys. And I like Jabril Peppers, but it's almost unfair to him, a guy who never really played safety in college, and now you're putting him out there in that position, and it's, there's going to be blown coverages and blown assignments. He's just well, not The ready. thing that's puzzling is just in the preseason, and I understand it's the preseason, but we still saw him play you know, pretty well. You know, He made a couple plays... And I just we're not seeing any of that in the regular season. And if it's teams game planning to take him out of center field or just flat out abusing the middle of the field, which is what we've seen for a majority of the week so far. I don't know if it's a lack of ability on his part or or being misused, but something's got to change or else 
we're going to be staring our staring ourselves in the mirror with a, another guy in the secondary who can't cover. Yeah, it's like I've been saying, we've been talking about the same things. It's the play has I don't know if it's gotten worse or I don't know if it's just kind of it's reached zero and it's kept going at zero at pretty much after week one. Yeah, I guess there's really no negative. They can't score negative points. So, again, they're they're better than last year on paper. But maybe last year was just so bad that this year is still equally as bad. You know, I, I don't know how else we can really say it. Who do we have next week? Tennessee? Yes. All right. Mariota's coming in, probably going to tear us up, this, similar to what Deshaun Watson did. Hopefully the Browns can take advantage of their weak secondary. But, again, after weeks like this, it's really tough to even think of when the Browns are going to be able to win a football game. The problem is when trying to decide upon keys to victory, for most teams you could say, oh, they got to do this, exploit this. The Browns, it's literally the they need to score more points than the other team because there's no there's, – you can't be like, oh, they should exploit this guy in the secondary. It's like, well, how are they going to do that? Have you watched any of their games? Well, they need to run the ball. Well, what if what if they're down 20 to nothing in the first quarter? Well, the, the crazy thing too is that the Giants are the other 0-5 team, but it takes – like the Giants losing all three of their starting wide receivers and a multitude of injuries on defense to be the same level as bad as the Browns are with a team. The that's Niners full, are winless with a, too. With a team that's fully healthy. Same with the Niners. But again, the Niners haven't had any serious injuries. They're just they're they're just as bad as the Browns. But they've at least been competitive in most of their games. I think they had it was their third straight loss or fifth straight game with a loss inside of three points or the other way around maybe well they three. also had that really good thursday night game too like they've been doing well it was they, a third they're doing game. what they're doing what the browns used to do play well not close this yeah. year the browns are just like just the worst well like, that was supposed to be the next step in the progression right I, that's what we were supposed to expect this year in so far i i'd take brian hoyer they just benched brian hoyer in san francisco and i'm pretty sure he'd be a better option at quarterback than what we've seen the last six let's weeks. trade joe thomas for him whatever <laughs> that's that's next on the uh the to-do list i mean if the browns were serious about winning colin kaepernick would be under center for the cleveland browns right now and i, I think if it was up to hugh jackson and maybe if he wasn't blackballed by the owners at, at this point i think i see no reason why he shouldn't be starting if this team is just looking for a victory any way they can i don't think they'd bring him in now or bring anyone in now just because it's too late in the year why but i think i just think that's how they their mindset that's how they'd operate i don't get what because i, I don't mean, know if they're desperate for they a could win be at fired this point. on monday that's what i, I it, it, at this point if you're really if you're try if you're this desperate for a win to even consider signing colin kaepernick i mean you've got to think that your job's on the line so if sashi brown's again sitting up there after this week thinking that he's safe this year he's got another thing coming because there's no i see no happy ending for this if they continue to lose like this week in and week out yeah it could be easily if it could. I don't think they'd fire anyone midseason. I just don't think Jimmy Haslam would do that. But yeah, you're right. They can't just be sitting there saying, "Oh, well, we have another draft coming up." Because Jimmy Haslam's going to be in that owner's box next week, and if it's a thirty point blowout, he's gonna. The media is going to be harassing him for a press conference, and it's it's going to be, be bad. In, is it in Tennessee or at home? It's at home. Oh, okay. If it was in Tennessee, I mean, he'd be mocked. Oh by yeah. One zone peers, but. FBI would kick in an owner's suite. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why Warren Buffett's involved now, so he's just going to rid himself of that whole uh, that whole thing and focus on the Browns. Yeah, just what we need. 
All I right. Think, well, I, I think I've talked. We've talked pretty much ad nauseum about most of this at this point. It's again another week where, you know, there's really nothing to build off of. You know, you just turn the page and go. All right, maybe next week we'll see something. But hey, Zane Gonzalez made a field goal. That's true. Good for him. <laughs> Three for six on the year. It's only going to get better, right? No, but <laughs> we. That's all we can say about that. Too. Quote Forrest Gump somewhat. We'll be back later this week to preview the upcoming victory against the Tennessee Titans. And by victory against, I mean victory for the Tennessee Titans. But there's always hope because I know, Andrew, once Thursday hits and once Sunday morning hits, you go, you know what? The Browns were 14-point dogs, and it's down to 12. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Vegas well, knows something. I mean, it moved from 12 to 8, and you, you look at, Again, on paper, which is where I make most of my mistakes, you look at them losing J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Kevin Hogan, and the way he was able to move the ball last week versus secondary and a Texans defense that's not as good. I mean, again, they showed today that they're pretty good, but I think against offenses that aren't the Browns, they're not as good. So I figured the Browns might be able to take advantage of it, and and I I thought wrong, (laughs) definitely. Well, there's always next week, as they say. As always, please be sure, if you don't already, to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. That'd be very nice. We'd appreciate it. And we will be back later this week. Thank you for listening.